This is Angela Hauser with your Disclosure News Online nightly news cap, designed for those who want an audio roundup and recap of the highlighted stories of the past 24 hours. It's Friday, we're at the end of a massively busy week, and news has kept on rolling in, so here's your news cap for the evening of Friday, February 13th, 2015. The family of Praveen Varghese held a memorial today for their deceased son, this as a fifth name and the wrongful death suit against Jackson County and Carbondale officials is planned to be added to the case. The memorial event for the SIUC student, whose body was found a year ago in a wooded area on the east side of Carbondale, was a combined one involving the families of Molly Young, another young person whose death in Carbondale goes unaddressed in that city, as Praveen's has. Members of Praveen's family, as well as Molly's, traveled to the wooded area behind Coles and Buffalo Wild Wings on the east side of Carbondale, where Praveen's death took place. The event comes on the heels of the filing this week announced in the Varghese lawsuit, naming numerous individuals, both public and private, in Praveen's death a year ago. Already named in the wrongful death suit are the city of Carbondale, former police chief Jody O'Gwynn, the Illinois State Police trooper who responded to the scene of what ultimately was Varghese's death, Chris Martin, and the last individual known to have seen Varghese alive, El Dorado native Gage Bethune. Now, Jackson County Coroner Tom Kupferer has been named as a part to the suit, this coming as count six in the wrongful death suit filed last year. In this count against Kupferer, it's alleged that on or about February 12, 2014, Kupferer, as the elected coroner of Jackson County, performed an autopsy on Praveen Varghese and, while having a duty as coroner to make inquiry into causes and circumstances of any death which occurs through violence or suddenly and with suspicion, as in a natural death, he breached that duty by failing to discover, by medical means, the death of Varghese in a breach that was willful and wanton. The allegation is that the death, being a willful and wanton breach of duty, led to failure to make a complete and accurate autopsy and caused intentional infliction of mental suffering to Varghese's family. They later had to get their own independent autopsy done, and through that learned that Varghese's death had nothing to do with illicit substances found in his body, as Kupferer concluded, nor did it have primarily to do with exposure to the elements, as Kupferer concluded. Instead, it confirmed that Varghese wasn't under the influence of anything and that he had been beaten to death. Our regular readers will recall that it was Kupferer who, on January 31, 2013, attempted to keep spectators and the media out of a coroner's jury selection for the coroner's inquest into Molly Young's death. That is, until I ran and found Jackson County State's Attorney Mike Carr and asked him to cite the statute that allowed Kupfer to exempt spectators from the selection, since any jury selection is public. When Carr couldn't cite the exemption, he stopped the coroner's jury selection and allowed pretty much everyone back into the courtroom to watch the public action take place in public. There's a lot wrong going on in Jackson County and in Carbondale in particular. We've covered these two situations, each of them from the outset. Stay with us as we continue the coverage, and the pressure on the public officials increases. As far as we can ascertain, Williamson County Sheriff Benny Vick is still asking for help from the public in locating a juvenile female runaway. Hannah Hansen, 14, of Hearst, was reported as a runaway early this morning. 
She is described as a white female, about 5 foot 7 inches tall and weighing about 220 pounds. Hannah has auburn hair, braces, and wears glasses or contact lenses. Hannah left home carrying a blue backpack that has flowers printed on it. She may be en route to the Cape Girardeau area. Hannah has been entered into the local and national databases as a runaway juvenile. Anyone who has information on Hannah's location is asked to contact their local police department or the Williamson County Sheriff's Office at 618-997-6541. Two Southern Illinois residents were charged and appeared in federal court today on child pornography offenses alleged to have occurred in Perry and Williamson counties. Aaron Michael Amann, 25, of Ducoin, and Colin A. Smith, 31, of Cambria, were charged in separate cases with using a computer to access and download child pornography images from the Internet. The offenses carry a maximum penalty of at least 30 years' imprisonment, a $250,000 fine, and a lifetime of supervised release. The investigations in these cases were conducted by the Secret Service Southern Illinois Cyber Crimes Task Force, the United States Marshals Service, the Franklin County Sheriff's Department, the Benton Police Department, and the Ducoin Police Department and Cambria Police Department. The cases are being prosecuted by Assistant United States Attorney Thomas E. Leggins. A Clay County man who was the subject of a two-day manhunt this past April across Crawford County and was caught after he took a popsicle out of a person's freezer in rural Robinson was sentenced today to federal prison on methamphetamine charges. Stephen R. Wigginton, United States Attorney for the Southern District of Illinois, announced today. Jason L. Shadle, 40, of Flora, was sentenced to 216 months in federal prison to be followed by four years supervised release, and he was fined $200. No value was put on that popsicle. Shadle had previously pleaded guilty to four counts in a federal indictment. Count one charged that from January 2011 until on or about April 18, 2014 in Clay County, Shadle conspired with others known and unknown to the grand jury to manufacture more than 50 grams of methamphetamine. Count two charged that on May 3, 2012, in White County, Shadle possessed equipment, chemicals, products, or materials which may be used to manufacture methamphetamine knowing, intending, and having reasonable cause to believe that those items would be used to manufacture meth. Count three charged that on April 7, 2014, in Crawford County, Shadle possessed equipment, chemicals, products, or materials which may be used to manufacture meth, knowing, intending, and having a reasonable cause to believe that those items would be used to manufacture meth. Count four charged that from January 2010 to honor about March 25, 2014 in Clay County and elsewhere, Shadle possessed pseudoephedrine pills, knowing and having reasonable cause to believe that the pills would be used to manufacture meth. The investigation in this case was conducted by the Florida Police Department, the Clay County Sheriff's Office, and the Southeastern Illinois Drug Task Force. A Jefferson County man was sentenced today to federal prison on meth charges. Monty D. Hampson, 49, of Mount Vernon, Illinois, was sentenced to 156 months in federal prison to be followed by three years supervised release and fined $500. Hampson had previously pleaded guilty to two counts in a federal indictment. Count one charged that from May 2010 until on or about February 19, 2014 in Jefferson County, Hampson conspired with others, known and unknown to the grand jury, to manufacture meth. Count two charged that on February 19, 2014 in Jefferson County, Hampson possessed, possessed equipment, chemicals, products, or materials which may be used to manufacture meth, 
knowing, intending, and having reasonable cause to believe that those items would be used to manufacture methamphetamine. The investigation in this case was conducted by the Joint Narcotics Unit of the Mount Vernon Police Department and the Jefferson County Sheriff's Department. The Shadel and Hampson cases were being handled by Assistant United States Attorney George Norwood. And the Kentucky State Police and Federal Bureau of Investigations are asking for the public's assistance with identifying a female victim whose remains were discovered in Simpson County, Kentucky in 2001. This is a white female aged 25 to 35 at the time of the incident, approximately 5 foot 4 to 5 foot 8, weighing 90 to 130 pounds with reddish brown hair. She was wearing a white or tan shirt, blue cotton shorts, black sandals with seven earrings in one ear and one earring in the other. There are no distinguishing characteristics on the remains. She may have been pregnant at the time of her disappearance. There is a scar on her face and one on her right wrist. She has a healed fracture in a rib and upper right arm. An outlined tattoo of a rose is on her left breast. Dental records are available for professionals to view. The victim was wearing two rings, a gold band similar to a wedding ring, and a silver ring with a painted enamel blue background with flowers and leaves as shown in the image at the link. For further information and photographs regarding this victim, refer to the National Missing and Unidentified Persons System, Unidentified Persons Database, case report number UP number 71. And for contact information, if you have knowledge of who this gal might be, See the link here in this post to take you to the originating post where all the phone numbers and email addresses are located. And that's it for tonight. I'm sure we've got a rowdy weekend coming up. Who knows, we might have to do a special cap one night, maybe Sunday, to catch you up, as there's a lot happening in the area. I'm ice creamless tonight, so I'll have to get by on yogurt, I guess, unless I can talk Jack into running to the store for me. I'll get on that. You have a good night. And don't forget to check out the E-Edition, which includes E-Edition Extras this issue. We checked some of our vendors today, and it looks like restocking is in our future. So don't miss this one, or you'll truly be sorry. It's a scorcher. This has been Angela Hauser with your February 13th Disclosure News Online Nightly Newscap. Mm -hmm.